Well, if you were here this time last year when we were here, you know it could be a lot worse. <laughs> I'm sitting there worried about all the distractions like Scott was just praying, but man, he's been good to send all of this thunderstorm straight to Ben where he's camping. So. <laughs> Amen, that's right. I got a text from him this morning. He said he had a rough night. All these thunderstorms went straight to them. That's what he gets for leaving. <clears throat> Turning your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. I want to pray one more time. This is uh, my first time to preach outside, outdoors, all of the, I guess, in the elements. So I, I will covet your prayers for me this morning that I would be focused and I would get out of the way and that God's word would move forward uh, this morning while we're together. Uh, let's pray. <clears throat> God, we are so thankful for the fact that all things are in your hand, that you are the ultimate of everything. And we pray now for a divine attentiveness to your word that you would uh, really eliminate any prideful desires that I would have or that we would have together this morning and that you would speak and manifest yourself through the preached of word and the written and read word and that you would come off looking as big as we can handle. And that's my humble prayer in Christ's name. Amen. The last time that I preached, uh, we were in First John, and I decided that I'm going to preach through a book. Since Ben preaches through a book, when I have opportunity to preach, I want to preach through First John. And so around Christmas time, we were in First John. We, we looked at the first four verses. And if you weren't here, I just want to bring you up to speed on, on what happened and what we saw in First John uh, 1, 1 through 4 is, you know, the, the book of 1 John is like, concentrate, John. And you have the book of John, greater volume, but then you have these letters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, which seem to be uh, kind of concentrate, like when you buy concentrate juice, uh, you don't want to eat that. It's pretty powerful, it's pretty intense. But the volume is not as much as a jug of juice, but that's what these letters are like. They're concentrate, they're intense. And so we'll find ourselves in John a lot because that's where the parallel is. That's where the connections are in John. And so it just illuminates greater the truths that John writes. And so we'll find ourselves in concentrate form this morning, hopefully. Now, in 1 John 1, 1 through 4, we see that God came low. He, he came here, which is a beautiful picture of what, where we've been the last three weeks in John 13. That he came low, he came in poverty, he gave up wealth, he gave up a wealthy position. He did not give up power and authority, but he did give up position. And he gave up a wealthy position to come here. Great distance was journeyed for him to come from his position to here. And to manifest himself physically, a great distance was journeyed. And yet, that same distance, that same chasm is still with us today because he manifests himself through the word to us today. Not in flesh, but through the word. And that distance is still the same. He's still 
throne room to dirty feet. You remember that? The throne room distance to dirty feet, the distance that he came to wash feet, is the same distance that he came to wash me and you with this word. So the distance is still there. The chasm is still there. Grace came low, and it still comes low. All right? So the manifestation of Christ physically was a great distance, and he still comes low to reach to us through his word. His manifestation to a few people resulted in this proclamation all over the world. And so he manifests himself to just a few people physically. And then if you remember in John 14, Philip and Judas asked the wrong questions, but they got the right answer. Philip said, God, we want you to just explode. Show us God, Jesus. And he said, I am God. I have manifest myself to you. And I and the Father am one. And then Judas said, well, why aren't you just showing yourself to the whole world? Why just a few of us get to see you? Why is it that just a few of us get to walk with you? And he said, anyone from here on that wants to know me and abide in me will abide in me and my Father and I will make our home with them if they keep my word. And so that is how he has manifest himself today through the word and now we still proclaim what is manifested in us, in the preacher, in the church, what is manifest by his word, we proclaim it. And it's all the gospel. And so what was manifested to a few is now proclaimed to many. He came low, he still comes low, and what manifests to a few is proclaimed to many. That's what we learn in 1 John, first three verses of 1 John. And verse 4, this is what we, what we pick up. Read verse 4. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. In verse 3, he ends with, Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son and with each other. So here's the deal. The goal for this manifestation, the goal for coming low, the goal, the end for him coming low and reaching low, the ultimate purpose for throne room to dirty feet, for that distance from who he is to who we are, the purpose is this, fellowship with each other, and with God. With God and His people. And it's the only joy that can be found. It's the only complete, it's the only ultimate joy that there is. That's the goal of His manifestation and proclamation of this Word. It's fellowship with His people and fellowship with Him. And they all go together. Fellowship with God and His people and our ultimate joy. That's what's at stake that is the purpose, and that is the end, that we have fellowship with God, and we have fellowship with His people. That's it. That's the goal. The only reason, the only reason that we have fellowship with each other is because of Him. He is our common joy. He is our common possession. He is it. Remember four weeks ago, the last mobile worship where we learn that He is what we enjoy. He is the gospel, not the trappings, not the vehicles that take us to Him, but He is the gospel. He is our common joy. And the goal of proclamation, the goal of His manifestation to us is that we enjoy Him through each other. We enjoy Him with each other. And so they go together, and they are not exclusive of each other. If he manifests himself and then he proclaims, then they are not exclusive. So it leaves no room for this. It leaves no room for, I have fellowship with God, I don't need the church. And it leaves no room for this. 
I've got community with people, so I don't need the church. The only real community is with God's people and with God. Everything else is hollow. Everything else has small print and hidden agendas. Everything else will fail you. The only real joy, the only real fellowship is with God and His people. That's real community. That's real fellowship. And to say, I have community. I have golfing buddies. I have friends at work. I have bowling partners. That's where I find my community. I don't really need church. I play on a softball team. That's where I find my community. I don't need the church. That's hollow and empty. The only real joy, the only real fellowship, and the only real complete community that we have is with God and His people, same time, together. And you can't remove them. You can't remove either part. Do you see it? They go together. Fellowship with one another and indeed with Jesus Christ. All right. Now, if this is at stake, listen to Jesus' prayer in John 17. Don't turn there. Just listen to Jesus' prayer in John 17, 20 and 21. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. That's Jesus speaking. Not just these people who I'm physically manifesting myself to. I do not ask on behalf of these, Father, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. How does the world know? The world knows about the gospel. The world knows about the great joy in God because his people walk together and they enjoy God together. I want them, Father, to become one so the whole world will know. That is it. God's people walking together, enjoying God, so the whole world will know. There are no Lone Rangers. There's nobody running away from God's people to tell the world. They go with God's people to tell the world. That's why we send Jake and Stephanie. Do you see it? We're, we're together in this. And when we, as God's people, enjoy God together, it's proclaimed and manifested to the world. And that's what Jesus prayed, that my people would walk together and enjoy us together. And here's the model. He says in John 17, just like we interact with each other, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's our model. The Trinity is not just something that we say, well, it can't be explained, but it's there. The Trinity is the model. He interacts personally, three persons, and it's our model for how we interact with each other and with Him. And so that brings us to, what is John doing? Why explain all this? Why put joy and fellowship with each other? Why talk about having fellowship with each other and with God? What's at stake? Fellowship and joy is at stake. And John's building a case. He's building a case for true joy and true fellowship. So many things compete for our joy. So many things. People, money, hobbies, stuff, applause, fame, approval. So many things we think and we run to for joy. And, God, and, and John says, complete joy, the only real joy, full and ultimate. I, I'm saying that complete, the word complete joy he uses in verse 4, that doesn't do it for me. I'm saying ultimate. Ultimate joy. And if somebody's throwing down ultimate joy, I'm paying attention. What do I have to do to get there? What does it take? What do we do 
to get to the ultimate joy. And that's what he does in verse 5. Let's read verse 5 through 8. 1 John 1. Five through eight. This is the message we have heard from him and we proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 5, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. At all. John uses some if-then statements, and we're going to look at three implications from this passage, and then we're going to make an if-then statement at the end. If this is God... And if fellowship and joy are at stake, if this is who he is and how he operates, this is who we will be. If this, then this is who we will be. If God is this way, this is what his people will look like. Those are the statements and that's where we're headed. And the first one is, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. None. There's no small print qualifying his lightness, his brightness. Um, so many things have small print. Something sounds too good to be true, and if you're wise, you know it probably is. If you hear of anything, a, a, a financial deal, a car, a truck, a boat, that sounds too good to be true. Well, it probably is, because what's being put before you, that price has small print. And that truth that's been brought to light before your eyes about the price probably has small print somewhere and that's not really all of the truth. It's not all been brought to light. But in God, there is no small print. It's all been brought to light. He is only light. There is no darkness at all. Turn to Psalm 104. Psalm 104, verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as a garment and stretching out the heavens like a tent. Here we are. He is, this tent has been stretched out and he stretched out all the heavens and he wears light as clothing. He is light. It covers him and he covers everything with light. He is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Psalm 139. Flip over just a few pages. This is where it really becomes clear. Psalm 139, verse 11. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Verse 11. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. That's light. When darkness is like bright, when you can't even...
describe dark and, and God in the same sentence? Night is like day. Darkness is light. No darkness. No small print. No hidden agenda. Everything exposed. He's the father of lights. Turn to James chapter 1. Verse 16. James 1, 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or no shadow due to change. That's big. No variation and no shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. No shadow, no hidden agenda, no darkness at all. I love that word variation. No variation due to change. No, no shadows, no dimming. He's bright. He's the unveiler. He's the revealer. There's no darkness in him at all. No shadow, no dimming, no dark corners, nothing. Just light. And he's all light, no darkness. What do you do with this? You say, yeah, okay, that's bright. No dark corners, no shadows. This is, this is, where, I, this is where I land. If he is all bright, no shadow, no change, no variation, no dark corners... No shadiness, no small print, no hidden agendas with God. Here's where I land. He can be trusted. He is the only one that can be trusted. No shadows, no small print, no hidden agenda. That does sound too good to be true. Except it's not too good to be true. It is true. He is a God. That pulls no punches, plays no tricks. He's all light. There's no darkness, no shadiness. He can be trusted. So here's the if-then statement. Fellowship and ultimate joy of God's people is at stake. If he is completely light with no shadows, no darkness, and no danger at all, then we must trust him completely. We must trust him completely and, get this, we must become people that others can trust. That's where it lands with us. If he is all light, <clears throat> no darkness, no shade, no shadow, no dark corners, he can be trusted. If he can be trusted, then we must become people who others can trust. No shadows, no dark corners, nothing hidden, all out in front. We've got to be a people who we can trust each other and the world can say, Man, those people don't have any dark corners. Those people don't have a hidden agenda. Man, those people that walk, they shoot straight. Man, they're, they're very true people. There's, there's nothing hidden and no small print with those folks. I can trust them. I can trust their God. So that's what's at stake. Fellowship and enjoy is at stake. And if we can completely trust Him, we've got to become people that others can trust. Second thing, verse 6. 
First John, back to First John. First John 1, verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we are in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. One thing that we've got to get straight here is that John is using truth and light interchangeably. When he says God is light, he is saying God is true. Light is truth. Nothing hidden, nothing false, nothing deceiving. Light is truth. And if God is light, God is truth. That's the second thing. If God is light, He is truth. God is light, and light is truth. Got to get that down before we go any further. God is light, and light is truth. When John says this, um, flip just a few pages over to the end of this book, 1 John. It's always dangerous to read the end of the story first for the, for the preacher, but we're going to do it. This is where we're going. This is how John starts the letter or the book, and this is how he ends it. God is light, and Him is no darkness at all. He is true completely, and He can be trusted. Chapter 5, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. He is true. There's nothing in Him that isn't true. He's all true. Everything about Him is light. There's no dark corners, no deception, no shadiness, no explaining that you have to do about the dim, no variation and change. He's true. And light is truth. So God is the ultimate light means that He is the standard and the unique source of everything that is true. If something is true, it's because God is true and He said it was true. He is the ultimate source of truth and He's the ultimate guide. We don't even get understanding or knowledge apart from God. Proverbs 1.7 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. Unless you've acquainted yourself with the light... Unless you are somebody walking in the light with God and His people, you can't even have real knowledge apart from God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. There, there is no way that we can attain any kind of truth or light or academia or knowledge apart from Him. He is the ultimate source of truth because He is all light and there is no darkness. He, he is what He says He is. He's all light. And if He's all light, and if He's all truth, we're going to be truth speakers. Second thing, the truth will set you free. In John 18, 31, He says, If you abide in Me, and I abide in you, the tr you will know the truth, and it will set you free. There's so many levels on, where, on, on how that's true. H here is one of them. Truth sets us free. If we are truthful people, no dark corners, no shadiness, if we're people that others can trust, we will be set free. Here's the best example that I can, I can use to know how truth and explain how truth and light sets us free. Occasionally, um, I get to play golf. I used to play a lot more. I don't play as much as I used to. But I've got a buddy that I play with, and he lives in Dallas. And when we get together to play, first of all, if you, if you don't play golf or know anything about it, you have to know a couple of things Golf is a very difficult game and can be very disappointing uh, at times. Very disappointing. 
It's tough. It's not easy. And so when guys get together to play golf, um, there's this underlying deceit and underlying lying that goes on, and it goes on on many different levels. And this buddy of mine, um, he, he works very hard at his game. And when he hits a bad shot, you've got four guys playing together, three standing around. He hits a bad shot, and it's just really awful. I mean, it's an anomaly. It's gone. Uh, it, there's no way that we'll find it. It's in trouble. It's over the hill in the woods. It's gone. And when that happens in a group of guys playing golf, what happens is you have this, this spin that starts, this, this, this conversation that begins to try and spin that into not being such a bad shot because nobody's comfortable with the truth. <laughs> At the ball, it's gone. And so you have this, well, it's not that bad. I think it opens up over there. You get that one a lot. I think it opens up over there. I've played here a couple of times, and I think you're, that ball may be okay. No. Or, or the guy who hit the bad shot will inevitably say, you know, I was trying something different there. I, I better not do that. I was trying something a little different. I hit the wrong club. Yeah, that's what it was. I hit the wrong club. But this buddy of mine, he always does this. He never does that. He waits for that little awkward conversation to end, all the spin, the explanation, the, the lying about that shot that other people are doing. And he says this. He'll step back. He doesn't say a word. He just says this. It is what it is. I'll either find it or I won't. It is what it is. I'll either find it or I won't. And he's okay with the fact that when we all get up there and it's brought to light that that ball is not there or anywhere to be found or playable, he's okay with it. He's okay with the truth. He's okay with the light that it is what it is. We'll either find it or we won't. And him being okay with the truth, you know what it does to the rest of us? Sets everybody free. He's okay with it. He stinks. <laughs> and he's okay with it. And we can be okay with it. And we don't have to spin. You know, when he does that, he sets everybody else free from deceit and lying and spin and explanation. Truth sets us free and if we are truth speakers with each other it will set us free if you're a truth speaker and your life is characterized by light and no dark corners you will be set free now it doesn't feel that way at first but you will be set free the crazy thing about the golf illustration is that golf is hard and it's disappointing and so is faith and so is our walk it's tough it's hard it's difficult and it's disappointing. And real freedom is found in the light, not in the shadows. But our first reaction when we struggle with our faith and when we struggle with our walk is to do what? Cover it up. Spin it. Explain it. Keep it covered so nobody else sees that we're struggling. Life is hard and so is this faith. What would people think if they knew I was struggling? If I have a dark corner or a shadow. So we just start covering it up. We start spinning things. Well, my life is that way because blank. That was somebody else's fault. Instead, I hope that he's producing in us a people that will stand back and go, look, it is what it is. It is what it is. Somebody 
shine the light and set me free from spin and excuses and explanation and I'll set you free from it and let's just call it like it is. It's hard and it's difficult and that was a bad shot. Let's go on. Try it again. Fellowship and joy are at stake. Our fellowship with God and our fellowship with each other and our ultimate joy is at stake. And if I'm going to acquaint myself with what truth says, I'm going to acquaint myself with what truth is. I'm going to be a truth speaker. I'm going to set myself free and everybody around me free from spin and excuses and shady dark corners. If fellowship and joy is at stake, if he is light and truth is light and light is truth, I will speak truth and I will bring things to light and I will say more readily, it is what it is. And we're not. Verse 8, 1 John, chapter 1. If we, if we say we have no sin, let's back up and do this. Look, look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. This is difficult. And this is, diffi- <clears throat> this is difficult because we are not light. Only He is light. I think the key to embracing the fact that he is light and we are not is to be the Romans 3. Turn to Romans 3 quickly. Be the Romans 3 guy. Be the Romans 3 lady. The key to being truth speakers, the key to walking in the light, the key to being people that others can trust is to embrace the fact that he is light and we are not. And it's a low view of ourselves and a high view of him. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. We like darkness. We like to cover it up. We are not righteous, no, not one. Embracing that is the first step into the light. Embracing the fact that we don't have it. We can't get it. And we don't seek for Him. He came and found us. He chose us to bring us into the light. That's the only way. A, a desperate dependency upon the cross is what keeps us in the light. Turn to John chapter 3. The book of John chapter 3. Verse 19. We feel most natural in darkness. We like it. We desire things more than Him. That's darkness. John chapter 3, verse 19. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be what? Exposed. Dark corners, shadiness, exposed. 
But whoever, <clears throat> whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. We love the dark. Here, here's, the, here's an illustration. Uh, and I want to get this right. It's the, it's the greatest illustration that I've ever heard about how we love light. I mean, we love darkness and we don't like the lights being turned on. It's difficult for people to turn the light on in our life. And I'm going to read it because I don't want to get it wrong. A man walks into a dark room. He feels the warm, soft fur with one hand and a cold, sharp edge with the other. But he draws in close to the warmth and the softness and the comfort of the fur. But then somebody turns the light on. And he sees that the warm, soft fur is the underbelly of a horrid, man-eating monster called the desires of this world. And the hard, cold edge of the sword is a majestic Christ ready to save. The reason the man was controlled by his desire for that man-eating monster is because he was in the dark. Do you see it? In the dark, we will always choose the soft, warm warm fur of a man-eating monster called the desires of the world. But when light is shown in through the word as we walk together and we shine this into each other's lives and there's no corner that's off limits to each other and to God, we see what we really need and what we really want. Our ultimate joy is Christ with the sword ready to save. But if we walk in darkness, we love it. And the other reason why we love darkness is because when it's dark and I don't see what you have on and I don't see what you're doing and you don't see what I'm doing the only way you can know what I'm doing is if I tell you right if we're in a dark room I can say I have fellowship with God and I'm hugging a warm fuzzy monster man-eating monster but I can say all day I have fellowship with God in a dark room In the dark room snuggled up to the man-eating monster, it does not matter what you say you have fellowship with. Because you don't have fellowship with Christ. You have fellowship with a monster. As long as you are in the dark. As long as there are areas where nobody can go. Where nobody else you're walking with, and even maybe you don't even want God going there. You don't want anybody shining the light. You're hugging a monster. And you'll always snuggle up to him. And he'll eat you alive. We don't like it when people turn on the light. I mean, that's we all know what happens when we're sleeping pretty good in the mornings in a warm bed. And somebody flips on the light. It's hard to adjust. Man, turn the light off. We don't like it. It's uncomfortable. I'm hoping that we're becoming that people. If the Father has illuminated you to the reality of a Christ as a sword-bearing Christ, standing, ready to save, if He's illuminated your heart, walking in the light is what we do. It's what God's people do. If you're here today, and you're not trusting, and you're not believing in Him, I'm praying that you will continue to be nauseous and miserable with searching and finding nothing but small print, hidden agendas, and shadows with everything else you try to go for and desire. I'm praying you become miserable 
and that you will understand and he will bring you to the light and that you will understand that he is all light and him is no darkness and he can be trusted and you can trust him. No small print, no hidden agenda. I hope that's where he brings you. We have to fight and struggle to keep each other in the know about our walk. John 15, 14 through 15. You can turn there if you want. He keeps his people in the know. John chapter 15, verse 14 and 15. He says, You are my friends, and if you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. God keeps his people in the know. God's people ought to keep each other in the know. Do you see it? We ought to be in the know. And this is not easy. And it's hard. But we ought to be truth speakers, light shiners into each other's lives. Here's the if-then statement. If he is truth and he can be trusted, and he's the one that keeps his people in the know, and we're not light, we must strive strive and work together to do this. Listen, protect a safe, well-lit environment among God's people of straight shooting, void of excuses, spin, defense, or explanation. We've got to be void of those things. And we have to work and strive and fight to be straight shooting, truth speaking, light shining into each other's lives. What this boils down to is it's a searchability, an inspectability, a teachability that we have with each other and with God. Fellowship with one another and indeed Christ means that we walk in the light. And that fellowship is at stake. When there's dark corners, fellowship and joy is at stake. When there's dark corners in your life and my life and we're not exposing them and we're not readily saying, it is what it is. Call it like you see it in my life. I can count on one hand how many guys, men that I'm close to, that really look at me and say, call it like you see it with me. Shoot straight. Get the spotlight out. If I got dark corners, if I got blind spots, shoot, shoot them at me. I mean, let's, let's bring it to light. Let, set me free. Set me free from excuse and spin and explanation. I trust him. He's the father of lights. And I trust you to bring me to the light to put the light on in my life I hope that's what we're becoming I hope that the more we walk together as a people at cross point that we will see this and others will see this they see this less and less hiding less and less spin less and less shadows fewer and fewer dark corners less and less deceit and a lot less explaining. I hope that as we walk together as a body, as God's people, that people see it, <coughs> excuse me, as people see it and we see this more and more, straight shooting, revealing of our struggle, revealing and unveiling of our hard walk, more light shining, more honesty, and more truth speaking. As I think back over the last three weeks, we've had some straight shooting moments come from this pulpit. And uh, the comment was made 
Crosspoint was built on straight shooting. And when I heard that, I thought, wait a minute. I got real puffed up and self-righteous because I thought I had a correction there. I was like, well, we're not built on straight shooting. We're built on, I don't know, I had some, I'm sure I had a good self-righteous answer for it. We're built on God and the Word and Jesus something. As I thought more about that, as I studied this, Ben was right. We are built on straight shooting. And this is why. This is why we're built on straight shooting. Because God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness with no straight shooting, with shadows, with small print, hidden agendas, shadiness, dark corners, we lie and do not practice truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we will have fellowship with each other and indeed with Jesus. And His blood will cleanse us from all sin. That's why we shoot straight. That's why we should be living in that kind of community with each other. No dark corners. No shadiness. I'm praying that God will continue to make me somebody others can trust because He can be trusted. And that I will let people shine light into my life that I can also shine into them. I want to be the guy and I want us to be the church that says, look, it is what it is. All light, nothing exposed, nothing hidden. It'll set us free. Truth will set you free. Let's pray. God, this is hard work to walk in the light. And I pray that you would make us into a people that walk in it and speak truth and speak light. God, it, it, is, it is not easy to have dark corners of our lives exposed and to stand back and say it is what it is. We need the work of your Spirit. That's what we're dependent upon, you. You are the key to our fellowship, God, and we need you. We need your Spirit to be light among us and that we would model light. Father, I pray that as we worship you in the next few minutes that we would embrace truth, embrace light, and do the hard work of being a people that exposes light, exposes dark corners, and that you would shine bright through us as a people and individually. In Christ's name, amen.